0: Welcome to the Chilean Sea blob Podcast. In each episode, I'll share a previously published short fiction written by me, Theodore Carter. The stories will slither in and out of genre distinctions, but will consistently stay weird. Now, let's get started with today's story. Burning Bush, A Christmas Miracle She heard his car door slam and braced herself for his brutish presence. She'd rehearsed this conversation all afternoon. "'Christmas traffic by the mall,' he grumbled as he walked through the door. He dropped his briefcase and walked past her toward the kitchen, toward the whiskey. She watched him pour a glass, his bushy eyebrows twisted into a severe scowl. Lately, she couldn't stop looking at them. "'Honey, I need to ask you something,' said Mary. "'What?' Dan asked. She should have waited until he'd hit that spot between his third and fourth drinks. I want to invite my brother for Christmas. He exhaled deeply, then returned to the living room and plopped into his recliner, drink in one hand, newspaper in the other. The recliner had been her gift to him twelve years before, on their first anniversary. Now, the fabric of the chair and the marriage had worn thin. Jesus, Mary, Dan said. That's right, and the wise man and all of that. Dan shoved his paper into his lap, turned toward her, and glared. He did this a lot. He'd garner all his nastiness and direct it into his eyebrows until they pulsed like small, heaving, woodland creatures. He'd tilt them at just the right angle to portray his utter disdain. Over the years, his eyebrows had grown inversely in relation to the strength of their marriage, with both The marriage and the eyebrows. She hadn't noticed the transmutation until reaching a crisis point. He wants to come Thursday, she said. I talked to him this morning. Fine, for Christ's sakes. He turned back to his paper. Right. Thank you, she said. Mary smelled the pot roast burning and ran to the kitchen. Too late. Its ends had shriveled. It looked like a deflated football. Thankfully, Dan had no sense of smell. She wouldn't feel his wrath until dinner time. Maybe she should inject the beef with antifreeze before then. When Mary returned to the living room, she added, "'And he wants to cook Christmas dinner.' Dan exhaled and threw his head back against the recliner. Rising above his neatly combed brown hair, she saw the upper ridges of those shaggy eyebrows. She felt old and lonely. "'Roast beef,' Dan said. "'You know he won't, Dan.' Mary's brother Charles worked as a vegetarian chef. Dan considered this akin to a lifeguard who refused to go into the water. I guess we won't be having anyone over then. Who did you want to invite? That's not the point. Mary wasn't sure what the point was and she didn't care. She took Dan's empty glass and went to refill it to be sure he had three drinks in before seeing the pot roast. When bringing the drink to him, she pretended to stroke him affectionately on his brow. Really, she was trying to flatten his unkempt eyebrow with the condensation from the whiskey glass. The renegade hairs bounced back as wild as ever. Charles returned from the grocery store with loads of plastic bags in each hand. Hi, hi, he said, and he walked into the kitchen to unload. Mary helped. Charles began humming Jingle Bell Rock. Dan came to the kitchen. He hated humming. He conveyed this to Charles with a careful movement of his left eyebrow. Charles stopped. What's on the menu, Charles? Dan asked. Charles brought his hands together with a clap. Mistletofu for the main course. Dan looked at him quizzically, powerfully. Marinated in soy sauce, lime, and hot pepper flakes. Ah, said Dan. He got out a tumbler and opened the liquor cabinet. Charles had given him a bottle of small batch whiskey that morning, but Dan lifted out the Jack Daniels. Charles had several pans and pots going. Onions sizzled, water boiled. The exotic aromas filling the house smelled nothing like what Mary produced with her pot roast and chicken a la king. Mary played sous chef, chopping and dicing. Charles cooked and hummed. Dan lurked and drank. Mary didn't look at him, but still she knew that his eyebrows moved, pumped up and down like pistons, as he gave her and Charles disapproving looks from the doorway. "'When are we eating?' he asked. "'Almost,' said Charles. Mary looked at Dan. He rolled his eyes, then retreated into the living room. A bald spot had replaced the cowlick on the back of his head. His bottom had widened. His shoulders were more round than she had remembered. And yes, even from behind, she could see the very tips of his oversized eyebrows peeking out from the sides of his head. "'Mary, watch this pan for me. I've got to make the dressing,' said Charles. They switched spots.' She swirled the oil in the onions, smelled the delicious aroma, thankful it was something Dan couldn't enjoy. Holding the pan, Mary thought about using its hot underside to flatten her husband's eyebrows. Smack! While cooking the onions, Mary decided Dan's sensory defect could be exploited. It was only fair. He dominated her for years with his hulking frame and his role as provider, and now with his menacing eyebrows. Then, while she stirred, a plan sprung to her mind, a clever, sinister plan. Mary hadn't felt clever in years, and because of this, she deemed it necessary to galvanize her plan. She turned off the stovetop, then turned, without igniting, the gas back on. Charles had his nose in a vinaigrette and didn't notice the scent. Dan, can you come here a minute? Mary asked. What? He said. He entered with heavy steps. The pilot light is out," she said. Charles looked up from his dressing, his nostrils flared, and then his eyes grew wide in horror. Mary shook her head and put her finger to her lips, begging him to stay silent. Charles edged toward the doorway. "God damn it," said Dan, whiskey in hand. He removed the pots and pans from the stovetop one by one, clanking them down on the counter. He took a match from the junk drawer. Mary backed up until she was almost in the living room. She pulled Charles over to her and held his arm tight. She wanted him with her. She wanted his consent. Dan approached the stovetop with a lit match. Mary had loved Dan at one point, and for that reason, it was only partly enjoyable to watch his whiskey glass explode like a Molotov cocktail. Watching him catch fire ignited a conflagration of emotions. Part of her reveled in the pleasure of having brought such pain upon him, but she also felt sick to her stomach. He hadn't danced since their wedding day, but he danced around the kitchen now. He screamed. He bled. His hair caught fire. He bumped into the walls, leaving burnt skin and blood on the white paint. Had she really meant for this to happen? Was this the outcome she wanted? Dan turned toward her, screaming, his eyes filled with terror, betrayal. His gnawing look registered with her but as she stood face to face with him, she focused on his eyebrows, which were completely ablaze. Those hairy, middle-aged man eyebrows, those furry bushels of contempt, burned on Dan's face. The scene played slowly in Mary's mind. It seemed his eyebrows would burn forever, that she might sit Dan in his recliner and leisurely roast a marshmallow over him. In that thought, The hideousness of debasing her husband so that he was simply a heat source for campfire treats made Mary realize that, yes, she had meant for this to happen. She didn't need to feel sick. She could even let out a devious giggle. Charles ran for a towel and threw it over Dan's head. Dan sank onto the linoleum floor. Smoke billowed from underneath the towel. Dan whimpered. Mary smiled at Charles, and Charles, whose look of horror had faded seemed almost ready to smile back. It took 15 minutes for the ambulance to come, but once Dan had been carted away, Charles finished cooking the tofu. Dinner tasted wonderful, largely because Dan wasn't there to criticize it. Of course, Mary knew she wasn't altogether done with him. There'd be legal rigor morale, divorce proceedings. Whatever happened, she was ready. She imagined him across the courtroom, trying his best to appear menacing, without the use of his powerful eyebrows. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's story. If you did, please leave a rating and a review. Also, please tell a friend directly. Personal recommendations help a lot. My main goal with this podcast is to grow an audience for future work, and it'd be great to connect with more odd people who like strange art. I'd love to connect on social media. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at TheodoreCarter2 or on Facebook with the handle at This story and other stories in this podcast are part of my book, The Life Story of a Chilean Seablob and Other Matters of Importance. The book is available wherever books are sold online and you can find links to all of my books on my website, TheodoreCarter.com. You can also find other things there like Videos of me making a giant cement eyeball or turning traffic boxes into robots. Music from this podcast comes from TMI Management, TMIMGMT.com. Thanks again for being here, and I hope you come again.